0: Hello and welcome into another episode of This is Yale, the Yale University Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gambardella, and we're excited to celebrate Black History Month here in the month of February. And we have a truly special guest in head coach James Jones of men's basketball here at Yale University. For 23 years, he has been at the helm of this prestigious program and has never been better than right now. The past six years, unprecedented success, NCAA tournaments, victories, Ivy League titles, and more, and even more so in the past couple of years, using his platform and imparting on his team, being able to use the opportunity to teach and guide and bring eyes and knowledge and explanations, as well as conversations around very important topics, as we've seen throughout this nation's history, and what we go through today. Without further ado, let's bring in head coach, James Jones. And joining us today on the This Is Yale podcast, head coach of Yale's men's basketball team, James Jones. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. It's hard to believe that it's been two years since you've been a guest on the show We're happy to have you in and celebrating this one. Thanks, Mike, Evan. Glad to be with you guys. It's crazy to think how much you, yourself, your team, Yale, has been through in those two years. But we're just really excited to see the Bulldogs back out on the court. What's it like then for you to just have your team together, playing as one, and back on the hardwood?
1: Well, you know, I kind of live in a moment. Right. And I don't look I don't look too much too far forward or too far back. And, um, you know, so the past is behind me now and I, I'm i enjoying uh, another season with the young men here at Yale and uh, trying to get us to play our best and to be our best and and to live up to uh, who we should be as a team and as individuals. So um, it's just great to be back coaching and, and being in the gym and smelling the basketball and riding a bus and, you know, eating bad pizza after game. It's just all those things are really good.
0: There is nothing like a bad slice of pizza after a win, That that is for sure. And- Let me tell you something, like, and I got to stop eating pizza in these other cities. Because they're not New Haven,
1: and it's just not good, man. It's like, well, I had a slice of pizza. I had a small pizza last night, excuse me, on our last game coming back from Philly, and I'm like, what am I doing to myself? This is <laughs> I gotta eat some, I gotta eat something else I can't I can't eat this stuff it's like cardboard
0: it, it's true in New Haven we are spoiled with some of the oh best pizza for so now you're taking ro- Ivy road trips you know nothing's gonna live up here
1: nothing listen nothing is gonna live up nothing's gonna be like a, a slice of pizza from bar or, or, or one of the many other ones in uh the New Haven area
0: it, it, would you say bar is your go to New Haven
1: oh that's my spot that's that's my spot I, I you know the the salad there's tremendous and the pizza is exceptional and the people that run it um, are, are outstanding. And, you know, I feel like Norm from Cheers, when I go into place, they know who I am. So they take they t- take care of me very well. Um, you know, it's, every time I call, it's like, this is coach, and they know exactly
0: what's up. Coach, I have a feeling it's not just bar where everyone knows your name around New Haven walking into certain places. We recognize that face. It, and, you, and you talked about, you know, living the moment, and we'll go season to season, but does it – register that it's been 23 years at Yale University?
1: No, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't. You know, it, it, it's every now and again, I get nostalgic. And, you know, it's just the other day, three or four days ago, I watched the highlight tape from our 2016 championship team and the, the guys that played there and 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 how we were. And, and, you know, just seeing the faces just brings joy to my face. And, you know, that that was, you know, now seven years ago, right? Um, um, you know, six years ago when when we played then. And so thinking about 23 years is just a long time ago for me. And, you know, I like to say I was a young man when I got started, and I like to think I'm still a young man. But uh, time has flown by, and I can't believe it's been 23 years.
0: Coach, you're definitely still a young man. And I'm with you watching those 2016 highlights. They were making the rounds on social media a few days ago as Brandon Sherrod knocked down those free throws to clinch it for you. Can you walk us through what was going through your mind? Because I remember looking at you on the sideline. You were stoic. You, you were unfazed by those clinching moments. But what was going on behind the scenes there for you? Oh, you know,
1: there's just so much excitement and joy that you have. And, and like, again, I'm in the moment. So right then I'm thinking about a strategy. All right, what happens if he missed this? There's four-point seconds to go. Do I need to have guys on the free throw line? Should I have guys off? Um, so the, those are the kind of things that go through my mind uh, that, that were going through my mind at that time. And then obviously it was euphoria after the game, right? It, it was uh, just an amazing feeling to the accomplishment that we had uh, to go in and as a, a 13 seed or wherever we were uh, to beat Baylor um, as a 4 seed. It was just tremendous and a uh, great game for us and
0: something that as a as a as a basketball coach you're never going to forget. And you talk about you don't forget as you kind of go through the handshake lines after that game, the press conference, the locker room. Is there a specific moment that kind of stands out that, you know, after that game, the celebration, that's the thing that sticks in coach's mind?
1: Well, you know, again, I I, like you said, I was stoic. I don't really show that much emotion. Um, And I, I after Um, My guys got in the locker room. What we traditionally do is I sit and I talk to my coaches about the game and, you know, we're hugging each other, excited about the win. And I ran in the locker room and I jumped on all the players and they're throwing water on me and dousing me and stuff like that. You know, that's just something you're never going to forget because um, what sports can do is to strike us all back down the children again. You know, I was seven years old, like, you know, and I just hit a jump shot in my backyard against my big brother and I just won a game against him. Right. That's what it felt like, you know, like, you know, you're a kid again and and it makes you feel like kids. And it's wonderful about what Yale, what basketball and sport can do for you and how it galvanizes a community. Um, That building when we were playing against Duke and against Baylor was all Yale. Like I know they had some fans from those other schools in there, but it was all Yale. And um, there was a a point in the Duke game where um, there was a let's go Bulldog chant and it panned the crowd. And, you know, I saw some of my family members and my former players there. And it just gives you chills thinking about the energy that
0: they were providing our group that day. A truly electric atmosphere, unrivaled for you and the Bulldogs. And I want to make sure that we hit this point is because of everything that we have gone through pandemic and everything else that your team is the two-time reigning Ivy League champions. Let's not forget that You've got two crowns to defend this year as you're back at it again. As you're back on the hardwood now, is it really just kind of focusing on your team game to game? Uh, or is it, hey, we've got, you know, this crown to keep on our heads? Well, I think it's a
1: little bit of both, right? We, we've talked about that earlier on in the season about, you know, we're defending champs and everybody's coming for us. We're going to get everybody's best game. Um, and... So that's been part of it. And then the other part is just trying to figure out this team and just making sure we're the best we can be and, and trying to improve, you know, night to night. And, um, you know, we got some work to do. We still need to get better. We're still not a finished product. I still think that we can be a better basketball team than we've shown in the first, you know, 18 games of the
0: year. And, uh, you know, we have a few more to try to get there. Well, you talk about finished products, you might have one that is close to a finished product, And Azar Swain, who just continues to etch his name into the Yale record books, just simply a scorer, a tough, gritty basketball player, watching him the other night, just seemingly seeks out contact to find shots, like a, an open shot is too good for Azar, <laughs> can you just talk a little bit about the toughness and the presence that he's brought to your team this season?
1: Well, I'm glad you see it watching us play, uh, Mike. Like he—he's like one of the toughest kids that I've ever coached. He was a football player in high school, went to the River School in, in Boston, and I think that you know he's like the all-time leader in either touchdowns or rushing yards, and just tough. And like I like to say, he's got some snot in his nose, right? Um, that being said, he doesn't back down from any fight, and you know he thinks he can make any shot at any time on anybody. And sometimes that's a challenge for Coach Jones because he'll. St- most anywhere, and you know, last night um, we played against Columbia at home, and he hit probably five of the toughest threes I've ever seen a man take that were contested. Like, if you're a defender, like you're just like you're just demoralized because you did everything you possibly could to get this man to miss. You can't believe he's shooting and he's knocking down shots from you know from 35 feet right in your mouth. So um, he has that toughness, that grittiness, and you know, after a loss to Penn. He didn't shoot it well from the arc. I think he was one for five or one for six. And he got back in the lab and was in the gym on a gun, getting shots up to to make sure that that wasn't going to happen again. And that goes to that toughness that he has, that grittiness that he has, and the wanting to be special and the best he could possibly be. I think that uh, and and lead our team and he wants us to win and be as good as we can possibly be. But, you know, he takes it on his shoulders really tough. And and that's one of the reasons why um, we've had some success this year.
0: Really coming back out, as you mentioned, after that Penn game against Columbia, a career high 37 points for him six of eight from long range. He was just absolutely dialed in and nothing that should surprise us from Yale's all time leader in three point shooting. But I think what can go under the radar a little bit is just, he's not just a shooter. He is a scorer. He is a basketball player, tenacious, a defender, and really just brings a lot to your team that I think you start to see in everybody that that rubs off along with your senior captain, Jalen Gabadon, the reigning Ivy league defensive player of the year. So Just is that a culture, a mindset that you try and instill, or has that kind of read itself from the players that you do have?
1: Well, I think that it it comes from them individually, obviously. It's kind of like they're part of their DNA, but also part of our DNA as a program. I think that they've learned from the guys that came before them. You know, they both were members of championship teams before they won championships themselves. So that's kind of like how it works. You know, you, you, you see how it works. You see the, the, the effort and, and the um, hard work guys put in before them. They they both played Mie only. And Mie was always in the gym and the lab making himself better. You know, Alex Copeland, uh, Blake Reynolds, Trey Fields, those guys were all working and getting there. And like, so when Blake Reynolds and Trey Fields and Alex Copeland, they were freshmen, they didn't play much. In that NCAA tournament in 2016, but they got back to the tournament in 2019. So, and in 2020, we had a different group of guys do it. And again, that's kind of part of a winning culture, and that's kind of what you try to breed, and that's try to. That's kind of what we tried to grow here over my time here at Yale.
0: A, a testament to that and coach I think you can stay humble in saying what you're trying to do, but you have done that you have built the culture that has your program at the top of the Ivy League year in and year out contending for championships, but now that you're back into it you're into Ivy League play, you know, approaching almost the midway mark of your season, where things begin to get very tight every game matters, especially as you're looking towards Ivy Madness the top four teams going on to the tournament play to secure the uh, Ivy League's uh, uh, bid into the NCAA tournament. What do you see from the Ivy League this year after time off and teams coming back and seemingly every game is a toss-up each night?
1: I see a lot of balance in our league, um, a lot of parity. You know, when we won a championship in 2020 and 2019, 2015, 2016, um, I don't know that there are any teams in our league that are as good as any of those teams that won a championship. I thought that, um, you know, now, um, although, um, the league is still really good, I don't think we have that exceptional team in the league that is just that much head and shoulders better than everybody else. Um, that being said, um, as I spoke about, there's a lot of parity and a lot of tightness in it where teams are really close, where whoever finishes in last place, well, they may beat the first place team Well, they're going to give that first place team a go for their money and make it t- hard for them to win, especially on their home court. So um, there's a lot of that, which makes for an exciting year and makes it really tough on coaches that you don't get much sleep because now you're worried about everybody. You know, you're worried about trying to beat everybody that, that laces up against you. And, that, and you always are. But, you know, there's just certainly was a comfort level going into some games over the past, you know, 23 years that I've been here where you felt like, you know what, we just have to show up and play and we should get a victory. Like, you just can't show up and play. you got to play well if you're going
0: to win any games this year. It speaks to the level of competitiveness throughout the league and wanting to pick up those victories and secure that top four spot. And, you know, you you mentioned the the league being parity and kind of playing together. Uh, One thing that we saw earlier this year is the league actually had one day where everyone in the league wore the same shirts, and it had a message across the front of that shirt that said eight against hate. And I think it's something that's been important, not only to the Ivy League, but to Yale uh, and to yourself as well. Speak to the importance of that message and kind of what that means to your program. Well, just think about those worries,
1: like eight against hate. Like who's not against hate? (laughs)
0: You
1: know, we all should be. And if you're not against hate, what's wrong with you, right? So um, just trying to spread that word and trying to make everybody understand that and, and everybody, we don't get this completely in our country. Like, we're all together here and we're all gonna be together. We're not going and no one's going anywhere. And, and we have to find a way to, um, to live together and to prosper. Um, and If you don't, like, you know, um, you know, if you don't, you're gonna fall apart. So um, trying to preach that word and trying to make everybody understand is like, you know, hate is something that's learned. Like, you know, you gotta learn to hate somebody. You don't, you don't, you're not born hating anybody. So you have to learn that way. You have to learn that 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 terrible feeling about someone else. So I'm um, trying to go up against that. Like, you know, after the George Floyd murder a couple of summers ago, um, you know, the Ivy League and, and the basketball program, we've tried to take it upon ourselves to try to strike out and try to make everybody understand. My program over the over the COVID period of time, when we didn't play last year, we did a bunch of Zooms and, um, and uh, we tried to hit upon like every group possible um to try to you know get us thinking about hate we talked about violence against women violence against asians violence against african-american people violence against um uh transgenders um you know it's it's all of that 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 it's everybody that that comes together that we all make up america and uh if we take the hate out of the equation uh, um we're all that much better for it and you know, certainly trying to spread that word and trying to get people to understand it, and especially the younger generations. I think that the one thing that makes me feel good about um, our country is that um, when George Floyd um, protests were going around the country, I went to a, a several of them uh, in New Haven. And the, the great thing was, it for, was for me was to see people from all different walks of life. There were all different shades that were in the, um, in the crowds um, protesting what was a horrific event that, that went on in this country. And seeing how everybody got on board with that gave me uh, reason to be optimistic for our future. And uh, you know, the young people, um, you know, I think the people that are my age, I'm 57, I'm gonna be 58 next month. I think that most of us have figured out who we are and, and who we're gonna be, but it's the young kids um, that have a chance to change how this country is gonna go. And if we can helpfully, uh spread that word to them and get that out, um, the better this country is gonna be in our
0: absence. Amazingly well said coach, and thank you for sharing that sentiment. And really is impressive to see not only you, but your student athletes, you know, using their platform and trying to bring awareness, education, and I love the idea of togetherness. We, we are all here, we should be as one and working to better one another. And in that kind of same sentiment of togetherness, and you mentioned earlier your big brother and kind of learned tendencies, you know, Now, looking at it, you and your brother, both head coaches, D1 prestigious institutions. When you talk back to seven years old and hitting the game winning shot, probably against him. Was there a time where you joked about, you know, hey, we're going to be basketball lifers. We're in this together and, you know, I'll see you across the sidelines one day. Or was it, you know, hey, we're just out here having fun. All right. Well, number one, he's my younger brother. Right. All
1: right. I'm never, I'm <laughs> never taken out <laughs> he, he's a year younger. I just look better than he does. That's all. Um, that's on the
0: record. Don't worry.
1: So, um, growing up with with my brother Joe and John, older brother Lionel, um, you know, we played a lot against each other and had a great time doing it. You know, a lot of trash talking that went on when we were kids. Um, before that was even a thing, we were trash talking. Um, that being said, uh, coaching basketball was not anything that either one of us knew we wanted to do. Um, Joe started coaching before I did. I was uh, working for a computer company and he was a co- high school guidance counselor and coaching uh, middle school team. He coached seventh and eighth grade. And I went down and I, would, and I was living in Connecticut at the time working for a computer company. And I go down and help him out on, on weekends and just working with he and his team. It's just another reason to be around my brother. Um, and then I had an opportunity to go back into coaching and get a master's degree uh, at Albany, my alma mater. And so I got into college coaching first, and then he got a job at Hofstra as a college coach. And then we kind of grew up from there. And what's amazing for me is that, um, you know, my brother, Joe, is probably my best friend. We talk most every day. And, um, you know, it's great to go on a road recruiting and all of a sudden be in the gym and there he, there he walks in. And so now don't like we talk, but like I don't tell him what my schedule is like, hey, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to be, no. you know, so it just kind of like happenstance. We kind of walk and walk into each other and like, you know, we're always cutting up. And the one thing about me and my family is that like, I'll get on the phone and we'll have a three-way with my brother, Joe and my brother, John, and we will just laugh, like belly laugh about stuff that went on, like bad things that happened to us when we were kids. Like we, we didn't have, like, listen, there was no silver spoon in this mouth, right? So some of the things that went on when we were kids were just horrific and terrible, and we, today we'll laugh about those things like, hey, do you remember when this? And it's just great. And I said to him uh, about a month or two ago, I like, I wonder if other brothers have this much fun as we do talking together. But being able to share with my brother Joe about um, basketball and the lifestyle that we have um, and, and what we do, because everybody doesn't understand it. Like, you know, they think you, they think they understand it because everybody gets to come and watch me go to work. Like, I don't get to my, I, one of my best friends is an accountant. I don't go stand over his desk and tell him what he's doing wrong. Everybody wants to come into, everybody wants to kind of tell me, well, why don't you play this guy? Why don't you play that guy? Why don't you go zone? Why, why don't you play man? and Why don't you play man to man? Like, so and everybody thinks they know, but they don't know, because basketball is an intimate sport. And, you know, I had my dad tell me one day, Coach Simon uh, played for me, um, obviously, back in the day. And he had, we had a game against Penn where he was just tremendous. I think he had 18 points and was really good in the game. And, he, you know, he might have played 25 minutes of the 40. And my dad was like, oh, I would have played that kid to his tongue, tongue fell out. I go, dad, I got every ounce of that kid that I was possibly going to get. He had no more to give, right? In any event, it's, um, it's wonderful um, to have a brother in this sport and um, to be able to communicate with him every day and talk about our teams. It's just awesome. And, you know, something I look forward to.
0: I I do not envy you for all of the courtside coaches that I'm sure are giving and imparting their advice to you on who should be where and what defense should be out there and how many shots Azar should take. Uh, But as you kind of shut out, you know, the fan coaches – Uh, talk a little bit about the discussions that you have with Joe and, you know, from the coaching side, has there been wisdom that's kind of been imparted or do you try to, you know, play things a little close to the vest as you don't want to give everything away, Merrick, perhaps?
1: Well, I've told this story a a countless number of times and I, I just did it the other day, actually. Um, so when Joe got the job, when he was interviewing at Columbia, um, he's now at Boston University. When he was interviewing at Columbia, um, I was a head coach here at Yale And I gave him our top recruiting list of all our players, their phone numbers, their high school coaches, their email addresses, all the pertinent information because I wanted him to be able to show the people at Columbia that he was going to hit the ground running and he knew who to recruit. Okay, so fast forward two months, he gets the job, and there's this kid, uh, Ben Nwiku, who's from uh, South Jersey. And Ben comes up, and we're recruiting this kid. He's on our top list. That I gave to Joe, and uh, and we're recruiting him as well. And he took a visit to Columbia's campus. And I have been trying to get him to visit Yale for forever, and couldn't get him to visit because he's a he's a foreign kid. He doesn't have a mom and dad. And so I called Joe up. I go, Joe, who'd you get Ben to bring to your campus? And Joe's answer was for me. I can't talk right now. I got to go. Click. And he hung up on me. And it was like like it was like one of those things. Like I felt like I just got punched in the nose. I was like. Like, what? So I call him back up. I go, hey, listen, Joe, this is how this is going to work. And again, being an older brother, you know, you feel like you can take some latitude. I go, listen, we're either going to share an in information or we're not. It can't be a one-way street. I gave you my top recruiting list, and now you can't tell me who brought this kid on campus? So, you know, again, fast forward further. Now he's at Boston Boston University. And um. You know he leans on his older brother that's just kind of our relationship i i've been the one in my family that has helped take care of everybody in my family i i've loaned everybody all my siblings i've loaned them all money i'm not certain if i got it all back but they've all they've all they've all gotten loans from james jones um th- that being said you know joe and i talk a lot and he talks at me I, i'm a sounding board for him a lot so he'll he'll call me up and he'll talk for like 20 minutes straight and I'll be like, aha, uh-huh, yeah, aha, uh-huh, yeah, aha, uh-huh, aha, uh-huh, yeah, All uh-huh. All right, I gotta go. Or he'll call me up and he'll ask specific questions about. So when you guys do this, how do you do this? When you guys do this, how do you do? What What do you do in this situation? So again, it's it's like you know I'm sort of a mentor to my brother, um, in a lot of ways. But we have a great relationship, and it's fun just to be able to talk to him about basketball. And and I like I said, I enjoy
0: that, and I look forward to it. Good to know that the Bank of Jones is open for those who might need it. But I, <laughs> but but I got to ask, who got him to Columbia's campus? Say again. Who got him to Columbia's campus? What was the thing? Well, that there was, was this guy, this
1: guy Rick uh, maracucci who was this high school coach, or um, helped him helped out in the high school or something like that. Rick he used to have a camp, and he got him on campus, and and the kid ended up going to uh, Columbia because Rick helped Joe help Joe in that in that recruiting process. So. You know, so those things happen and like and Ben only played well against Yale. Didn't play well against anybody else. Because <laughs> of course, only, that's only, how it happens.
0: Every time. Only, only he, played, he could average four points a game until he played the Bulldog and he was gone for 26. Do the recruiting battles continue and kind of talking over Thanksgiving dinner, you know, hey, don't talk to this guy or I'm going to get him before you or anything like that?
1: Well, it's interesting. We We, we, we share every Christmas together um thanksgiving is hard because it's right we both have games in and around it we may be on a road or they may be on a road so um we don't we haven't shared too many thanksgivings together recently but christmas for sure and uh, we stay away from the basketball talk i think there'll be some trash talking when we both retire about our record against each other and uh you know i hold that crown so i'll be doing a lot of trash talking back in the day with no teeth in my mouth and uh you know trying to trying to nibble on some uh some uh, cornbread stuffing Um, but we stay away from that. And uh, we do recruit recruiting overlaps a little bit, um, but we're such a different animal than BU. It's, it becomes down to scholarship, non-scholarship, you know, a situation where, uh, you know, there's one guard that we, that we're getting this year that it was down between us and BU and he chose Yale. Good decision. Like, why wouldn't you make that decision? Like, I mean, what are you drinking? So, um, you know, uh, we don't really have too many battles.
0: Definitely got the Yale Kool-Aid for that one. And, it's yeah come on but we'll just leave it at that yeah I could sell that I could I could sell that to most kids <laughs> I'm sure a real tough sell at times as well yeah well. <laughs> well coach as we have you on here today and we're kicking off our celebration of Black History Month and having a lot of our own student-athletes share their voice there were certain questions that we asked of our student-athletes and you know, the importance and, you know, what certain things mean to them. When you hear Black history, you know, what is the importance of that to you? Well, I think that understanding
1: is the root of all this, right, of, of hate and uh, the cultures not blending, um, because we have no knowledge, like we're fearful of what we don't know, you know, like white culture is everywhere around us, you know, like you see it, television and, you know, and everything you do, you know, uh, Black society is not not as much. And the way Blacks have been, protected, been depicted on television and media is different than we actually are. Um, so understanding what the African-American community has added to our country and having some understanding and belief of that, um, that goes a long way with helping people understand and bridging gaps. So I think that when we have Black History Month and we realize, who certain people are and what certain people did in this country to add to what it, well, it makes a difference for us. And, and, and again, blending us and being able to bridge gaps and bring us together. So that's, ex- that's why it's really important. And like, so there, there's some parts of our country that refuse to have black history month, but teach black history month. Like I, it's just, but that's the way we are. And that's why we still remain sep- That's why we remain separated. And there are
0: those that want us to remain separated and don't realize that we're stronger women together. I love the idea of understanding and hopefully some of the small things that we can do during this month can bring some knowledge and some understanding uh, to everything going around that. And and with that, I think the term is you know Black Joy and, and what that means to so many different people. Uh, is there a specific sentiment that comes to you when you hear the term Black Joy? No, not, nothing comes to
1: just my family is what would come to mind um when i think of that my family my mom my dad my my brothers my sisters and you know like you got me thinking about um spending christmas with my family and there's never there's not a more special time in my life to see my nieces and nephews and watching them grow up and become young men and women and you know have hair on their faces and with the young men that is um and to and to grow and to prosper it's just it's a wonderful thing to you know, my daughter is now 25 years old. She's um, heavily involved with a young man. And, uh, you know, maybe she gets married to him. Maybe she doesn't. But just to watch him grow up is, is exceptional. So the joy of, of my family is, is a wonderful thing.
0: I love that. And family being at the centerpiece of so much of everything. And, and you talk about culture and life experience. Um, and, and moving forward and, and maybe hopeful to potentially see a son-in-law. And maybe not. But we'll leave it there but what are you hopeful for to kind of see in the future uh, specific to you know Black History Month and celebrating everything that is different between us but everything that is the same and we can be together in that. All right
1: so my son Quincy is 16 years old and I will have to worry every time he gets in a vehicle late at night to drive someplace. Um, The young men on my program Uh, I will worry about them driving their cars late at night uh, in certain cities around this country. Uh, It is my hope that they won't have to worry about their kids, that our country will change and that we won't have senseless murders for nothing less than not cooperating to the letter of an officer who stops you, 100%. Um, I think that um, there have been too many senseless killings in this country for misunderstanding and no reason. Um, And if we can um, strike the fear, and again, have knowledge of each other, where we're not fearful of each other,
0: well, then maybe some of these senseless murders won't happen difficult to, to understand that that is where our country is at and that's where worry has to be, that you can't even get into your car without the fear of something like that. And hopefully through our discussions and the sharing of ideas and knowledge and shared life experience, that we can move forward together and have more understanding in everything that we do. Coach, I, I want to thank you for you know your candor here and, and sharing of yourself as we kind of look at Yale on the whole and kind of get back to our student athletes, which is what we love to share with so much, as you're looking forward to the month of March and getting into that March madness time and something that we can all enjoy, you know, is there a sense of finally getting back to it after being away for so long or do you continue to keep that game by game mentality?
1: Well, it's, also, it's always game by game for me. Again, like I don't, I'm not looking too far ahead or too far back. I got Princeton on my mind because they're the next people that we play and next team that we play, and I'm not thinking about anybody else, and I hadn't thought about them until after last night's game. But, you know, for a college basketball player and a college coach, there's nothing more special than March Madness. I mean, what our country has made it, and it's just an unbelievable design. Uh, I remember going to school on the job my son off at school, and having, um, in 2016, and having one of his classmates had a bracket and he's filling out a bracket in class. Like, you know, he's in sixth grade or seventh grade or whatever it was. Um, It's just amazing thought process of what it does for you. And to reach um, that that opportunity is wonderful. There's nothing better uh, for a coach than um, getting together with a group of young men um, and say September um, 15th, our first practice or whenever it was, and setting a goal for yourself and then reaching that goal and obtaining it and then having that experience and seeing what you like. Because what sports do for you, they tell you about yourselves. They tell you who you are. And it's just this wonderful thing that you get to figure out in real time, right? I get to figure out in real time, how will I react when I meet this kind of distraction or this kind of force against me? How do I react to it? And that's what sport is right and that's what makes it wonderful and that's why we watch and that's why it's the you know the best um, live TV that you have right the the best real life TV like you can go watch the uh, real housewives of Miami if you want, or you can watch a basketball game. You know, I'll take the basketball game every time. I'm not watching the Real Housewives of anywhere.
0: I keep telling my wife that this is reality TV. Sports is reality TV. Whatever you're watching, that doesn't count. We don't need, we can unsubscribe from Bravo. We don't need that package. For some reason, she doesn't listen to me. I'm not quite sure why.
1: And and that's quite all right. Thank you for the word. I was looking for reality TV. This is the best reality that you have. And it's being sports playing out right in front of you. Like, I watched the, uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, listen, I'm a baseball fan, so I watch the Yankees every single game. At some point, I got them on. I either listen to them in my car, I'm watching them on TV, or I'm, I'm following on my phone, depending on where I am, right? And I watch college basketball every single night of the season. I will be scouting a team on my laptop in front of me and I have a television on the background. So, unless I want to get divorced, I can't watch football. <laughs> right. I, I, I can't watch football too, right? <laughs> because again, there has to be some Real Housewives or something or something my wife wants to watch on the television as well. So that, that being said, um, you know, it's just this wonderful thing to be able to watch. Oh, I was going back to Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. That was an unbelievable game. Like I was more nervous because I I, I'm a, a Patrick Mahomes fan. I was more nervous watching that game than any game I've ever coached, <laughs> any game I've ever coached. And I'm not even a big, like it's like, I'm not even a big fan, like I'm a fan, but it's not like, oh God, like what, well, how many touchdowns did he throw or how many yards? He, like, I'm not that guy, I'm just a casual fan. But what that did to me inside, I like a casual fan, you just can't, you don't get that anywhere else, you can't. And that's why sports are so important to our environment here at Yale and throughout the country. And this is what we missed all last year and what our fans have missed because they can't see it live yet. Yeah, we're hoping that we get back to that soon. It's just this wonderful, organic, beautiful thing that occurs that is really special if you can embrace it. Now, everybody can't embrace it and everybody doesn't understand it. But if you embrace it, Oh, man, it's something
0: good. It's something special. It is truly something special and and really speaks to the term you can't script sports because if you put that into reality TV, no one would believe you. They'd be like, this isn't this is fake. This could never happen. But to the point you speak the Bills Chiefs that it sucked you in, It, it got you to the point where my wife even wanted to just watch the box score for updates because you couldn't believe this was happening. And that's the person who'd rather watch Bravo at the end of the day as well. So speaking to the power of sports for everyone uh, and something that we can all enjoy. And Coach Jones, I, I wanna thank you again for taking the time here today. Hopefully in March, we will have a chance uh, to put Yale's name down on perhaps a bracket in the March Madness tournament. So best of luck to you and your team as you continue on through the month of February and into March and thank you for 23 years of decorated service to Yale and hopefully another 23 more after that.
1: I'm, I'm just waiting for my honorary degree. Uh, like I, I need to get an honorary degree. I gotta talk to somebody about that. Like this will be like, so so year 24, I will have graduated from Yale like what, six times? So I think I need an honorary
0: degree already. I gotta talk to somebody about that. I, maybe I'll talk to Marvin Chung. Maybe Marvin will give me an honorary degree. We can talk with Dean Chun and President Salovey. I think they may say that, you know, if you get to 50 years of coaching at Yale, then we can talk about your honorary degree.
1: Some, somehow I feel that's going to fall upon deaf ears. Somehow. <laughs> somehow <laughs> they'll, 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 st-
0: they'll listen. I can't say they'll do anything with it. But call
1: me listen. stupid. It's going to call fall upon deaf ears.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, Coach, again, thank you so much. We'll work on your honorary degree. You work on getting us back into the tournament so we can be there to celebrate and cheer you out.
1: Great to be with you guys today. You guys have a good evening.
0: And thank you again to head coach James Jones for taking the time to talk with us here today and some wisdom as always and excited to see his team as they progress through the month of February and into March Madness and hopefully seeing both of our basketball programs in Ivy Madness at the mid-month mark. Excited again to see all of our teams as they ramp down. And into championship play, and for our spring sports as they start back on the fields of play, as we hopefully move to some warmer weather and always exciting Bulldog athletics. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back with you again at the end of the month as we continue to celebrate Black History Month. And as always, go Bulldogs. This is Yay! Yeah.